0: A few weeks ago, my husband Chris and I went to Hawaii for a conference and we got to go to the big island for two nights. We rented a car and drove through the city of Kona. There they were setting up the finish line for the Iron Man. I did not realize that it was the weekend of the Iron Man. Do you all know what an Iron Man is? It's 2.5 miles of swimming, followed by 112 miles of biking, followed by a marathon. In other words, you have to be insane to do it. <laughs> I was watching them set up this, the bleachers, and it brought back memories. I had one time in my life stood on the bleachers at the finish line of an Ironman. You see, you start at the very crack of dawn, but you have to finish all that insanity by midnight. If you don't cross over the finish line by midnight, you're not an Ironman. So at every race, a crowd will gather as you get closer to midnight. And as you can imagine, the people that are trying to get there right at the end are really in bad shape. I remember a woman who couldn't walk. She was trying to crawl to get to the finish line. And in the crowds, we thought that by the sheer force of our enthusiasm, if we screamed and pounded on the bleachers enough, maybe we could help them get across in time. So there we were, screaming and hollering, and when someone got across, it was awesome. But then, after midnight passed, I saw these people that didn't make it. And I thought to myself, what? That is so sad and so frustrating, and they deserve to be given some kind of award. They almost made it. I don't know about having a finish line. I don't know if that's what God would want. In the scripture that we heard for today, Moses does not get across the finish line. Moses has been called by God to lead the Hebrew people Out of Egypt and for 40 years he works and toils to try to translate God's Word to these grumpy incomprehensible childlike people and he's so faithful and he works so hard and there they are on the edge of the promised land and God has Moses climb Mount Nebo And it says that Moses is 120 years old, but he still sees clearly and he's got a lot of vigor. That's what the scripture says. My gosh, give me that pill. (laughs) So he gets to the top of this mountain and it says that the Lord shows him the whole promised land from Jericho to the north. Ephraim and Manasseh, the river Jordan to the sea, Moses sees all of it, but God says it's not your job to cross over, and Moses dies. And I think to myself, hey, wait a minute, couldn't he have just put a toe over there? Why? Why did God say, not your job? Why did God not let him just just walk over? It wasn't very far. Scholars have surmised about why Moses wasn't allowed over. And there is this passage in the book of Numbers. While they're wandering in the desert, they come to this place called Meribah, which means in Hebrew, arguing or quarreling. And sure enough, the Hebrew people are arguing and quarreling and they're really thirsty and they're really grumpy and they're saying, we need water, we're just going to die, we're going to die. And Moses goes to God and God says to Moses, okay, go to this rock and speak to the rock and water will come out of it. So Moses goes to the rock, but instead of speaking to it, he touches it with his rod which he has done before with other rocks. And water comes out of the rock and the people drink, but evidently in the passage it says that God is mad because Moses doesn't follow the directions precisely. And that Moses wasn't allowed in the promised land because of that. Hogwash, I think. That's crazy. God couldn't be mad at that. no i think that god asked of moses what god asks of all of us which is to do that to which we are called and no more and no less now that we have the internet we stand upon the mightiest mountain we look all over the planet We see the Middle East, we see the Ukraine, we see addiction and teenagers committing suicide. We see all the problems of the globe and we are tempted to try to fix it all and then we drive ourselves insane. And we feel this great despair because we can't fix it. But God is not asking you one human being, to fix the globe. Just because you can see all of it doesn't mean it is your job to make it all right. Jesus walked this earth for three years in a very small geographical radius. He healed the people that he encountered. He taught. He died and rose. He knew exactly what God was asking of him, and it was three years of ministry. Do you know that the most pure musical sound is the bell? And one of the reasons we toll a bell before we worship is because it helps your mind to focus. The bell is a very pure sound because it hits one note precisely. And because of that, because it hits that one note, it has this resonance. It just carries. And it is a symbol, a sound that represents purity and God to us. Your power in this life is not the scope of everything you try to do. It lies in your ability to discern exactly what God is asking of you and no one else. Where are the parameters of your vocation? You are not to be tempted to try to fix everything. That dilutes your power. You are to find your job and to do that to which you've been called. Jesus instructs all of us to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and to love our neighbor as ourself. But the question we need to ask is, what does love look like for me? Love is not a feeling. Let's make sure we understand that. Feelings are unpredictable. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. But what does love look like for you? love incarnates into action maybe you are to love and serve god by taking care of your spouse who is ill maybe you are called to love god by calling people on the phone who are lonely maybe you are called to love god by making a donation to a cause that you believe is very good and needs your help only you can know that to which god is calling you and what love looks like for you but our lifespans are limited and moses was not being punished and he did not fail because he didn't get to the promised land He got them where he was supposed to get them. It was not his job to fight the Canaanites in a war. He didn't have to worry about that. He didn't have to worry about all the wars that would ensue in the hundreds and thousands of years to come. He did what God asked of him. No more and no less. And the scripture praises him as one of the greatest prophets. After this worship service, I'm going to have a conversation with an amazing man. Nat Glover was the first black sheriff here in Jacksonville, and he's written a beautiful book. As a young man, he was thrown into the violence of Axe Handle Saturday, but instead of running away from the law, he became part of it and changed it and did so much But his book is called Striving for Justice because he still is striving and because he understands that he did his part, but the job of all of us is not done. It is a process that is unfolding and we are all to do our part. Years ago, I had a friend who was a Marine, and he used to talk about when you're in a battle or when you're climbing a really difficult mountain as a Marine, they instruct you to only look at the small box in front of you. What is your next step? What is the next obstacle? You are not to think about how high the mountain is or what the outcome of the battle is. In the heat, in that kind of stress and pressure, you are to think about what are you called to do right now? What is right in front of you? And do that. And only that. And so I say to you, forget about the finish line. Forget about all that needs to be accomplished all over the globe. Who are you? what does love look like for you what is your next